All right, Chasers. So as a lot of you know, um, I try to bring you the best audio possible, not just great conversations, not just great whiskey talk with great people, but good, good audio. Unfortunately, sometimes things happen. This audio is not the best. It was outside. You're going to hear birds chirping, music playing, people talking. But when you get the opportunity to sit down with a legend, a living legend like Freddie No, um, well, you take it. I just felt like this interview was too good not to share, regardless of the audio. So here's my conversation with Freddie No the Fourth at the Jim Beam Distillery. Enjoy. How's it going, everybody? I'm here with a little no-name, small mom-and-pop whiskey maker. No, I'm kidding. We're here at the James Beam Distillery, and I'm sitting with the one and only Freddie No. Yeah. Uh, the fourth, eighth generation? Eighth generation, fourth yeah. Frederick Booker No. There it is. Yeah, yeah that's a long legacy to yeah, carry, it is. my friend. Yeah, it is. What's that feel like having that on your back? You know, I've always looked at it as an opportunity. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me about pressure or growing up and knowing what you're going to do. How's that feel? Uh, but for me, you know, in the way I treat my ch- my children, I've got a 13 year old daughter and a four year old son. Same way I was treated as a kid, and, I'm, and my dad the same as well. Is you know, you come here for fun things. There's no, I'm not like actually just the other day, my daughter asked me how you make bourbon. How do you get to bourbon? And she recorded it on her phone so she can could re-listen to what I was saying to her. But unless that happens, I don't push it on her. And I think that's what made it look like an opportunity or, or be an opportunity, not look like it. It, it. it turned into such an easy opportunity because I never was pushed into it. I wasn't forced to learn anything here. Um, I love history, so I learned when I first started wanting to get into the business, I started reading on my family's history before I even knew anything about how to make whiskey or anything about the whiskey. I was probably 17 or 18 started reading the history of my family and that really got me excited, right? Because you, you just look at how closely tied my family is to bourbon's history, American history, um, really the eastward, or excuse me, the westward movement from the east um, into Kentucky. And, and you know, I referenced that show in 1883 or whatever. And, and I feel like that's what Jacob was doing just almost a hundred years before that with a lot of folks leaving the Maryland, Pennsylvania region coming this way. Uh, but so it's just it's just kind of crazy to me that my family's so tied to the history of the country, the history of, of this state uh, that we've stayed in, and in the industry, right? That it was kind of created from that movement. It was bourbon, so call it Mecca, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, I just love the opportunity for th- even things like this. Just so amazing that the people are interested in what my family does, what I do on a daily basis, and that I've got this knowledge and these stories from. You know, eight generations. A lot. I would say I have stories from Jacob, but things I know that have been passed down around quality ingredients. I know that started with Jacob, um, and it's just something we always pass down. So it's pretty cool to be able to keep telling those stories. Uh, you know, as I keep going. I 
it's interesting you were talking about you know not pressuring your your kids and sometimes you think about these legacies and companies like this specifically bourbon um where it's almost like is it like the royal family expect <laughs> you funny. know what i mean do you have to marry into other like we need no, no. we need the four roses yeah. and the beams that come together that's funny you know what i mean but really it's it's i know a lot of children that come from lineages that gone away from it oh yeah gone to do their own thing or be come back and do something innovative I, I i know some of your family history you know some people left some people did yeah. this was a work camp for a while for the oh, railroad yeah. right um and then it revived itself during prohibition or after prohibition so but you hit the nail on the head man history yep. and i think it's so cool that that was the first thing you stepped into was history and how important that is because bourbon the Mecca here in Kentucky, it's spread. Oh, I'm yeah. from the Maryland-Delaware area, so we have our own rye history right, and right. whiskey history, but I think that's the most important part, and I think that's why we love it so much. Well, you know, it's funny, so you, if I talk to a lot of people, um, you know, they, they think I'm very creative, very innovative, uh, and then if you talk to certain people in the company, I, I would say they probably think I'm very close-minded, just based on maybe how their ideas come about. But I think what, what's so unique about being able to learn the history of what you're doing is, it's the best way to shape the future of where you're going, right? You know, if, if you kind of forget where you've come from, you can easily guide whiskey into a place that, that maybe doesn't represent good quality or even representative of what you were trying to, to sell, right? So I think just being a, a sponge, not even history, obviously history is a big part of it, but knowledge, right, around the process of whiskey making here, uh, and I think that's just what I've really kind of adapted to becoming is a sponge of knowledge. If someone wants to chat about whiskey, I'm, I'm all in because I love that. anything can spur a, you know, a thought in my head or even just something to go research more, right? Understand more about why bourbon tastes the way it does, what's the flavors that are coming into the glass. Um, so, I mean, I, I just think being a sponge, it, it, no matter what industry, whatever yeah. you're doing, if you want to be the best at it, be a sponge for the people that have come before you, the people that you're working with, right, or, or, or kind of maybe competitors, but still working together, sure. right? I think that's what makes bourbon very unique as well is, yeah. uh, yesterday I spoke on a panel with uh, three other distillers from, uh, some of them had worked at big distilleries, some of them work now at smaller distilleries, one of them works at a, at a big distillery, but we were all on a stage sharing the good word of bourbon and there was no negative comments between any of us about anything. Everybody was talking about the products we were drinking. And, and my, my dad says it best, you know, a rising tide rises all ships. Uh, and then he said, follows it up and says, you know, the salespeople, that's a different story, right? They might be out there arguing, <laughs> sword trying to push yeah, cases yeah. around. But, uh, but in reality, when it comes to people making the whiskey and the folks that are kind of, I guess, Really like keepers of the knowledge, right? Ambassadors, even. I think they all resonate together because it's about bringing bourbon to more people, getting more people involved in what we're doing, and understanding what what's the flavor in their glass. So every time, I mean, it's always whiskey talk when we get together, kids, yeah. family, and then bang, right to whiskey. But I, it, it it just keeps us all, I think, very in tune with what each other are doing. You know, we don't ever step on each other's toes as much, I guess, as far as I've seen, you know, when we share things. People understand it, you know, we, we just kind of learn, and maybe we trial it, but allowing them to kind of do their thing, we do ours. You know, everybody has a different story in bourbon. That's what's unique about it, too. There's so many distilleries right around Kentucky. And everyone you visit, selling the same exact products, usually, right, bourbon or rye or some form of American whiskey, 
And they have this, what we'll call like a reason to believe, right? Why do you believe in their brand? And you don't go hear the same story twice. It is, it is crazy, I right? love that. It's, it's pretty crazy. Well, sometimes people ask, you know, and what I do on the media side, what's my favorite whiskey? And I have favorites, but really, and this is going to sound cheesy, it's who do I want to have a conversation with? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. The little book six, I had the opportunity to, 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 to read right. that last night. It's incredible. And... But it's a different story. There's a there's a single malt element to it. I love the story you told about Baden, the piece of head Aiden and, and that blend and what you thought what could have been a mess up, which I right. love. I mean, my, some of my favorite stories are when it, 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 it is, was a mistake you know, and it should you have save, been. You save you save save something, right? From being a mistake. Yeah. You know? So that's a cool story to share with somebody and that bottle comes out when I feel like that's the story, or maybe and this is where it gets cheesy, you know. I want to feel what the nose are feeling right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the story I want to hear in my glass. And I, I think that's important. So they all taste different. I don't see the rivalry. I know it's, not, there. No, it's not really. The, I mean, like I said, I think but it I know comes down to the sales. And whatever, the sales on that teams. side, yeah. But even and, and, there, right, yeah. they love yeah. each other, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. They'll, they'll you know, move know, each other's bottles well, out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, my dad said a funny quote from my dad. And somebody said, what's your favorite whiskey? Right? We've got a large portfolio. And I'll probably hit on two or three brands, but he always says the next batch I'm working on. And I think that's that's a very, really good answer because it's about that curiosity of the whiskey you've got in the warehouses, or in, even to your point, that are out there competitively. We'll do air quotes because you say it's not really competitive, but what are the whiskeys that are out there? And, and um, as a consumer of whiskey, I think right now, especially in American whiskey or bourbon specifically, there's so much attention on it that you're getting a lot of what I love, right? It's not even about enjoying every every sip of whiskey you take. It's just about looking at the journey. What are they talking about? What are the flavor notes you're picking up? There's a lot of flavor in American whiskey today, I think, and that's what makes it extremely interesting, right? And not everybody has to agree, you know. And I, oh, yeah. I think that's what's, but I think that's, that's what part makes of the it awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If everybody agreed, there'd be no conversation. It'd yeah. just be, yeah. Right? I you ask me that. a question, I'll just head nod, right? I don't have to answer it, but. That's what it's about, exploring the flavors, and, and you touched a little book. That's what that's all about, is just being able to take people on a journey deeper and further across whiskey, and specifically it. American whiskey. How, is, how difficult is it for you to, you know, you're a pretty young guy, do at the helm, like we talked before, spoke about before, you got a lot on your shoulder. You have to be innovative while maintaining that history. Yep. You know, bourbon, Jim Beam always has to be Jim Beam. That's right. But it can have. Let's talk Legion, maybe. Let's yeah. talk that relationship with Sunday. You know how lucky I am. Oh, you are so lucky. I know. Being married to you, that's number one, right? That's no joke, babe. It's no joke. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Aside from being married to you, my two favorite independent bottlers mm -hmm. happen to be in the Impux portfolio. What luck. I know. We've got Adelphi Selections. Yeah. Bottler started in 1993, I want to say. Okay. And Single Malts of Scotland. Yeah. Who those casts are selected by my good friend, Ollie Chilton. I know Ollie. You know Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, he came to drink with us. Uh-huh. So back to the idea of drinking off the beaten path. Oh, this again. If you are looking for a wide array of flavors, going after independently bottled whiskey is where it's at because their idea is never to repeat a flavor. Never? Never to repeat a flavor. Well, always bottle something new, always something different, and more importantly, always something delicious mm -hmm. and something that won't steal all of your wallet. Okay. 
That's kind I of like important. that part. You like that, but I knew you'd yeah. like that part. So listen, Haida, I have to tell you, and I have to tell our listeners here, Impex Beverages. Yes. Proud sponsor of Cast Chasers Podcast. Excellent. That's awesome. You know, I mean, I think what's amazing about the situation with us at Suntory, right? They purchase us. Um, and then they create a company named Beam Suntory where they send their spirits underneath the bar portfolio. They have a very uh, big company in Japan, but sending and kind of leaving our leadership in charge of, of, the, of the spirit side of the business, I think was a strong signal that they really trusted in what we were doing. And then you get this opportunity where Shinji comes, works with me and dad. Um, actually, the first time he came, dad was out of town. Uh, and I got a chance to sit down with him and taste through our competitors, our products. Let's talk about American whiskey or bourbon. Dad comes back, same scenario. He sits down, they talk through. And then Shinji asks, you know, can I do some finishing, right? That's the big thing in Japanese whiskey, the different barrel types uh, with the different whiskeys. And so he, he started educating us on finishing whiskey. And obviously, a good example of that is Legion, but yeah. another one, Little Book, right? Sure. Yeah. If it hadn't been for, for, you know, I think just listening to Shinji and how he talked about the flavors of finished whiskeys, very much just aligned to me and resonated with me about expanding flavor profile, right? And it's kind of unique. You see that, that the industry itself is doing a lot of secondary finishing. Uh, Which it, I love. I do too, because yeah. it's, it's bringing in more flavor, right? Whether it's a used cask or like what we've done with basil toast, where it's a toasted style new cask. There's just so many, it just continues, right? Like I just keep wanting to do this because it's kind of like if, if bourbon was this, then we add, you know, different grains, you kind of go wider than when you add in what we're talking about barrel finishing. It just almost makes it like a, I mean, yeah. like you can't, like a, I hate to say the word catch off because it's not a very positive uh, attribute, but it gives you an opportunity to bring the flavors of these different uh, casks, really. So, um, but just working with Shinji, you know, I've spent a lot of time. Dad worked with him on Legion. He and I've spent a lot of time talking about whiskey quality uh, between Japanese whiskey, bourbon. Uh, they're very much uh, educated on Scotch as well, right? Because the Japanese whiskey sure. is kind of their, their, their take of of, of Scotch um, and. So just sharing that knowledge, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've, my distillery team, I feel like their jaw drops every time we have meetings with them because they just share a lot of valuable information that helps us understand flavors that are being had there. And it gives us chances to go do some research, maybe change some things up to see what what's, ha- what's that effect, what's the effect being had. So um, we've got a collaborative group uh, where it's a lot of folks on Shinji's team, research, blending, my distillery team, a couple of research folks as well, and we meet on a quarterly basis to share things we're working on. And you know, I'm worried that we're not sharing enough. I'm sure they probably wonder. I hope they're interested in this. And every time afterwards, when we kind of have our little catch up to see how it goes, the team just enjoyed everything you all shared. Thank you. So I'm like, ah, oh, thank God. And then every time I say, obviously, I'm yeah, saying the yeah. same thing, right? So it's uh, it's great to to have that collaboration again. It just talk about knowledge and being a sponge of history. I mean, they've got history in whiskey. We've oh. got history in whiskey. Coming together for the betterment of whiskey is what it's all about. That's that's what I've just, I've really just loved working with them because of that reason, right? It's They're very passionate. Uh, they're a family-owned company. Uh, and it, it just, it, it just everything, their, their values, everything lines very closely to and what our bottle. family is. 
summarizes, I think, every bit of that. Well, yeah, exactly. Bottom, That's a good point. Yeah, it, it really gives you everything in that in that one glimpse in that story. Um, I'm going to ask, you know, I asked this question to Chris Morris. He found it interesting, and, and I want to see your opinion or your thoughts on it. So I asked Chris, I said, you know, a lot of stuff happens in the whiskey world where you have to be consistent. Oh, yeah. You have to make something because you have the consumer. Yeah. Has there ever been a product that you made that you thought, this is my, this is it, this is my opus, this is the one, and maybe it didn't do as well. I'll give you his example. Uh, he uh, he secondaried in a champagne cast, oh. and he was so proud of it, and it got terrible reviews, he said. And it broke his heart a little bit, but he thought, man, I put everything up trying to be yeah. something different. Yeah. Do you have that one bass that you thought was going to be... Uh, you know, I mean... Not, not, there's some things, I'll say I've got some things in the warehouse, maybe getting ready to come out, some of them maybe a little bit further down the road, that I would say I think will hope help change the game uh, and, and people's minds a little bit. Uh, but it, it, it's kind of a stretch as well, so I, I could be set up for failure. But I do, I think, to, to answer your question a little bit, I think each chapter of Little Book, maybe not every one of them, but definitely three or four of them, some of the comments I see, I just kind of shake my head because it's not where I wanted it. Like, it's not yeah. the idea of what the whiskey was going for or how it was going or the references of aging. You know, when you're talking about blended whiskey, you don't, I mean, in reality, if it's over four years old, right, you don't have to say the age of bourbon. Um, I'm kind of going that extra step, showing you everything that's in there, all the components, what we've done to that whiskey. Um, and sometimes it's like at a detriment to me so that to me sometimes makes me shake my head because you shouldn't be buying a bottle of little book because you're looking for a number on there you should be buying the little book because you're curious of the journey of little book based on something you've liked before or you're curious about the whiskeys in that one because of the background that they come from so which is more important correct yeah, exactly and, and so when you, you know see people commenting on the age or I mean, even right, like say there's four whiskeys in the in the blend. Three of them are four years old, and one of them's 15 years old. Before you even see it, right, it drops on TTB. People are commenting, right? Well, this all mostly going to be four years old. You don't even necessarily know that. It could be mostly the 15 year old, but because I like this profile or the idea behind the blend is to deliver this differentiated flavor. It could be 70 percent 15 year old whiskey. But just because those numbers are there, people want to throw throw the shade. So to me, I I wish people would be more open minded. I guess in general about about things, we're kind of hunting for the the, the we're, they're getting us over on this, and yeah. it's not what it, I, I genuinely think. I think the whole industry is trying to to, to satisfy the industry or the, the consumers' vice of hey, we're very curious about your products. Go deliver these unique the unique whiskey. Right? I feel like they assume. Your warehouse, you're just hiding all your 15. Correct. Keeping Correct. it for yourself. Well, um, letting it out just yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit to just time. get people's attention. Yeah, well, math don't work like that. Not I, necessarily. I, I had friends at my house the other day, and I doing what I do. I have a ton of whiskey, and I, they wanted something special brought out. But I brought out a three-year-old Kilhoman. Nice. And it was incredible. See, that's what I, I'm, I'm excited about. There because the Scotch is their mindset. so they're Everybody wants the 15. 18, 15. Yeah. Is it a 25? You brought me a three-year. I'm like, I brought you gold. Yes. You know what I mean? And it is gold, and I think age statement, sometimes it has purpose, sometimes It's it great for transparency, right? Like, I think even regulations sure. are great for transparency. But it ain't uh, all. But if you're into the product, you 
got to just enjoy it. And I mean, yeah, if you've got a profile you like, fifteen-year-old bourbon, that's great. But don't just don't don't turn your head to younger whiskey because there is flavor there, and and it's different. And it, and it doesn't always have to fit your palate. But if you're curious in whiskey. Pick that three-year-old up. Pick the 15-year-old up. And Everything add, in between. I'm going to add to that a little bit, too. Go back to that white label, Jim Beam. And remember oh, where that's, it all that's came a real from. good one, right? That's because a real good one. It's great. It's great. We'll wrap this up because I know uh, you're a busy man and uh, you got things to do. No, it's a beautiful I'm going to ask day. you a question. Uh, think as deep and long as you want about it. But okay. um, what does, it's a two-parter, what does Kentucky mean to bourbon? And what does bourbon mean to Kentucky? And then if you want to follow up, what does bourbon mean? Okay. So make it a three-pointer. All right. I added a little more for you. I'll start. Okay. I'll start with Kentucky. (laughs) What does Kentucky mean to bourbon? And I think to me, it's the guiding light Um, because so much of the history started here. or it started here essentially, right? The native grain of this region is corn. That's what bourbon's predominantly made of. It's America's native spirit. And I love that it's expanding away from, from us geographically across the country but I hope that people come and learn to your point grab that bottle of Jim Beam White go on the whiskey journey or a bourbon journey across uh, across the history right and see where we're at compared to where we were and, and help us take it again in the right direction so I would say Kentucky's a guiding light for bourbon and then what does bourbon mean for Kentucky and I mean I would say it means a lot right I mean a lot of jobs are generated a lot of a lot of revenue generated for our state uh, comes from bourbon and again right you, you have people coming here to grow the native grain uh, the, the government was giving out land grants based on on military uh, duty but you had to grow corn to come here I guarantee you they didn't think bourbon would come out of what that was I'm sure that right everybody was a distiller at that time because it was a farm task uh, uh, much where you're from right it was rye a lot of rye grown there I'm sure my, my you know great 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 grandpa Jacob he come from Maryland by way of Pennsylvania probably knew a lot about rye but when he come here I bet if he tried to plant some of that back then he had a hell of a time trying it's to grow a hell of a grain yeah too, it's a so. different different yeah. different uh, different animal than corn here uh, but so you know what I'm saying to think that this this place really developed bourbon I mean there's no ifs ands or buts about it because of what was going on at that time uh, bourbon bourbon was created uh, but then what does bourbon mean to the world I'll start by saying what I hope it eventually means to the world and in my lifetime I hope is it's the world's spirit people recognize it as the world's spirit so I think the regulations of bourbon allow us to have a lot of flavor uh, and then the climate in which we, we can make it right there's so many different climate regions in, in America but even just focusing on Kentucky where the heart of it is get these nice uh, cool falls like we're kind of starting to enjoy the beginning of right now uh, we just come out of a super humid summer but uh, in a nice spring like this is last well. week yeah right exactly well the next week it might snow and then go 60 again and maybe up to 90 but uh, with that I guess the point is you get four true seasons here in Kentucky and that that really helps to influence the barrels interaction with the with the whiskey and the bourbon and to me, that's what really just drives that uniqueness of bourbon, right? In Scotch, they age it 18, 20 years, and some of the color they're getting uh, doesn't even get close to mimicking what we get on our four years. So 
there's a lot of flavor from from the barrel, uh, from the grain in our process, and I think because of that, bourbon sets up to be the world spirit because there's so much flavor uh, that can come from that. I love that. And um, just before we go, just to get this on film, yep. um, you're, you said I could take any barrel I want at home. Oh. And I was kidding with you. Oh, man. It's been an me. outstanding conversation, yeah. and great to spend some time with you in one of your historic rocking chairs. Right. That's what I know when I think of uh, That's this, great. Uh, and just amazing weather, right? Weather I mean, you can bottle this up and oh. put that out. I mean, I think people would show up every day. Right? I drink it. I drink <laughs> That's it. good. That's good. Thank you, my Thanks friend. Thanks for coming out. Appreciate Cheers. it. Yes, sir. Cheers.